0: And we pray, Lord Jesus, you have created us. You made us, you shaped us, you formed us. You had us in mind from all eternity. Our identity, we've been reminded, it comes from you. Not the things of this world, not our past that so often pickpockets us. It's not the hypocrisy that so often happens hacks us by just simply going through the motions and appearing uh, to uh, be righteous people when inside we are empty. Lord, we long for that relationship to continue to grow. Lord, it's not about how we appear in our appearances and being mugged by a mirror and how often we lose our identity based in that, and the beauty and the handsome desires that we have that are really, truly just skin deep rather than finding their grounding and their fullness in you. Lord, it's also not based in our success that so often steals our identity as well, of trying to define our lives by what we have, or what we acquire, or what we have earned for ourselves. Lord, may you center us today even further in that right relationship that we long for, that truly gives us identity today. And we pray this by your powerful name. It's in Jesus we ask it. Amen. Amen. So we've, we've learned a lot about identity theft. It's a big deal. Um, billions and billions of dollars have been stolen from millions of people in recent years through the issue and problem of this growing crime called identity theft. Uh, I've given you one example in our family. Here's another one. Uh, this was an extended family relationship with us, but uh, a, a tragic event happened. Um, a rather young guy uh, and our extended family passed away suddenly, uh, leaving a, a widow and, and a daughter and, and, uh, and parents that were uh, reaching uh, kind of in the upper age levels of their life and, and uh, in retirement and, and had everything kind of set on a fixed income. Well, in this man's death, it was discovered uh, that he had taken out uh, credit cards in his parents' name. He had also refinanced his house and their house all in one, and he'd refinanced his house into excessive debt under his parents' name. And you're thinking, well, how does this happen? Well, he got their social security numbers because he was managing their finances, and he used his parents' name uh, to rack up tons and tons of debt. And this was all a secret until he passed away, revealing that his parents... On a fixed income, now had all the successive debt and no way to pay for it. And the phone started ringing off the hook uh, for this debt to be collected. You're like, how can this happen, right? Well, it happened. And it, it, the repercussions of that continued for many, many, many years on our whole family. You think about how does this happen? Where identity is stolen. And it's one thing if someone you've never met steals your credit card information or gets your social security card through online hacking. It's another thing when someone within your own family steals your identity and robs you. You know, it happens all the time. And you might think, well, this is just a rare occurrence. You know, robbed by relationships is a reality. And it's a major form of identity theft in many people's lives. You see it play out all the time. And the thing is, is a lot of times it's actually not hidden from view at all. It's in full view because it's come, become part of what is socially acceptable. It's how we operate because, after all, love makes the world go round, doesn't it? I think of how young people are so willing to give their bodies away in the name of love, to simply just be loved and accepted and, and be called someone that is special and What young people are willing to do. It's not just young people, though. As we grow older, it's just that we we continue to be willing to hand over our lives through relationships, thinking that that relationship is what forms us. It's what gives us identity, whether that be with a child, whether that be with a parent, whether that be with a spouse. But we are willing to sell out and sell off in order to have identity in another person seems to make sense to us. I mean, after all, if we are to believe what we often hear, I'll give you some examples of this. You know, uh, here's some great quotes um, uh, that come from, from history. How about this one from Aristotle? It says, "'Love is composed of a single soul inhabiting two bodies." Uh, from this gets this idea of finding our soulmate, right, and that that life is about seeking after our soulmate. It's Valentine's Week, and after all, this love is in the air, and like, oh man, my soulmate! Our longing for a soulmate because this is what we were made for, at least according to Aristotle. And how about F. Jones says, "His quote: Love doesn't make the world go round; it's what makes the wa- ride worthwhile." Okay, so love is. That doesn't make the world go around. It just makes life worth living. How about this one from Helen Keller? Here it is. The best and most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt with love from the heart. Sounds beautiful, doesn't it? How about St. Augustine? How about this? He says this, better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Have you ever heard that one? very famous quote, certainly makes sense. Love is worth it even if we lose in love. It's better to have loved than not love at all. Well, it makes sense. But then you, you take that a little further, and, and some of the crazy love songs that have come I mean, there are... If there's a topic that has inspired more songs than love and relationships, I don't know what there is out there. I mean, think about how many songs are inspired by relationships. And remember, the years ago, that ain't no mountain high enough and ain't no valley low enough that'll keep me from coming to you, baby. However that song goes, and I was thinking, man, get a restraining order because I mean, this is this is serious, right? And nothing's gonna tear me apart from you. I mean, this is the power of love and. And relationships, and it's what we're made for, what we're created for. Um, years ago, there was a, a movie, and I'd only recommend the TBS edited version, um, and that is, remember uh, uh, the movie Jerry Maguire with Tom Hanks, or not Tom Hanks, uh, Tom Cruise and uh, Michelle Zellweger, and, and th- you get this, this movie, and, and it's, there's, this, there's three great quotes, famous quotes that came out of that movie. One of them is, of course, show me the money, right? And, and then the second one is, uh, in this moment where uh, the quote comes, you had me at hello, right? And then, and the third one is, he says to his wife, he says, you complete me. And everybody said, oh, oh, you complete me. Tom Cruise, you complete me. Oh, because what a gift, right? And you know, and everybody, like, we resonate toward that because that is the mindset, is that love and relationships are what make life worth living. And, and those kind of relationships are what give us, whether we recognize it or not, it's what gives us identity in this world. And, and we can live our lives Day in and day out, from, from the moment on, like a, a young person, like just trying to live up to parents' expectations that are maybe off the charts, this child that just tries to pursue and pursue and never feels like they live up to those expectations. There's a relationship that's robbing them of joy. And you're like, well, isn't it? Aren't we supposed to hold our children accountable? Well, of course, but what if it's unrealistic? And what if that child just never seems to live up to our expectations? Or what if you're that child and you never sense you can live up to expectations of a parent? What if you are in a dating relationship? Or what if you are in a marriage relationship and you're convinced that that person, you're searching for that soulmate and they are there to complete you. And now you're in that relationship as you thought was going to complete you. And there's just something missing. And so we go and enter the pastor's office, and we're not really sure we were ever meant to be together anyway. Thought they were my soulmate, but they don't really seem like they're my soulmate, because I'm not happy anymore. I thought they would complete me, but they don't. I'm going to tell you something about my marriage. I've been married to Shane for almost 24 years. It's a long time. We're not old enough for that. And, and I think about that, 24 years, she does not complete me. She doesn't. And, and if you asked her, she would say the same about me. I know that's hard to believe. I'm kidding. My goodness. How impossible to be married to me. And, and, you know, and the reality is... She doesn't complete me. I don't complete her. And here's what I mean by that. She's an incredible friend. She's an incredible wife. She's an incredible mother to our children. She is a gift, and I'm convinced of this, one of the greatest gifts God has ever given me in this world outside of my faith in relationship with Jesus. But that's what I'm saying is she isn't the one who completes me. And I am not the one who completes her. And the reason for that is is I'm a... I'm a sinful, broken human being, and, and so is she. And if our identity is based on whether or not a person responds to us in a certain way on any given day, it's no wonder in any marriage or relationship of any sort, if that's what bases our identity based on a person completing us, well, we're going to be empty. We're going to be dissatisfied. We're going to be looking for more and looking beyond what we have to say, maybe there's someone else out there that truly can complete me. But what if that actually isn't quite looking in the right direction? You know when they say, looking for love in all the wrong places, that famous cliche. But it's so often so true for so many of us. Because we lose our identity in seeking and searching for relationship That really thrives and really fills us. Well, it makes sense. Let me show you something. Maybe you uh, remember growing up. Anybody ever seen a toy like this? Um, I grew up with one of these. Um, uh, When I got to high school, I got pretty good at it, Um, right? And and the whole idea is it's a toddler toy to teach shapes and fitting shapes that, uh, you know, that shapes you can't for instance, the old phrase, you can't get a, a square peg in a round hole, right? Or a round hole in a square peg. It doesn't, wait, that doesn't work. Yeah, so anyway, it doesn't work that way. And, and this, this toy taught us that only certain shapes fit through certain openings. And it's true. And what's interesting is what we learn at an early age is something that doesn't always re- translate in our relationships. We don't always get this, is that when it comes to our heart? And when we think of the heart as the center of relationships and love and affection and care and concern for people, we often forget that our heart is designed in a certain way. And there's ultimately only one relationship that really fits that hole in our heart. Um, I'll give you some examples of this. You know, Solomon, in his wisdom, he talks about this throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. And early on in the book, he talks about you know, his search for purpose and meaning and identity in this world and trying to fill his heart with fullness and completeness. And, and he talks about it, you know Under the sun, he tried everything from riches and, and pleasure and relationships. And, man, if there's ever someone who surrounded himself with excess in every direction, and he gets to a point where he finally he admits it because God had also given him wisdom, and he has to admit it. And wisdom, he says, it was all meaningless. In my search for filling my heart with fullness and completeness, it was meaningless, utterly meaningless, he says. And here's some of his other wisdom. I hear this in Ecclesiastes 3.11. He says he is also talking about God set eternity into the human heart. Now, just ponder this for a minute and think about that toy as a kid. If the shape of your heart, that your heart is longing, and if God has created you for your heart... To long for eternity. Well, what kind of shape is going to fit that? Maybe you already know where I'm going with this. Can a human being be the answer for that hole in our heart that longs for eternity? Can any relationship, an earthly relationship, fit that? How about this uh, also in Proverbs 19, also written by Solomon, Uh, He says, as many are the plans in a person's heart, what a person desires is, what's it say? Unfailing love. Do you believe that? Do you think that at our core, as people who long for eternity, what we're also longing for ultimately in this world when it comes to relationships is unfailing love? I mean, don't you think at our core, all of us long to be loved Faithfully and unfailingly and unconditionally, that there would be some relationship in our life that would be so fulfilling that we would know no matter what there is nothing gonna fail because that love and that relationship is secure. I think there's another quote up here too from Proverbs 4:23. It makes sense then that God through Solomon would remind us if, if our heart is wired for eternity and a longing for an unfailing love. Well, then he would tell us, above all else, guard your heart, right? For everything you do flows from it. And often what happens is we let our guard down. And I don't mean this that we, we don't love and, and we don't give relationship with other people. It's certainly not what I'm saying. You might say, well, pastor, it's really cynical when it comes to relationships. It's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, what is that relationship that defines all other relationships? And if we begin with a relationship with other people seeking that to be the fulfillment of our longing for eternity and our longing for an unfailing love, we're going to be disappointed. And we're going to feel robbed a lot of the time. And I think it explains a lot of unhappiness in this world. I I think it it explains a lot of the the sexual identity things that are going on in in our culture today. It's this longing to be loved, this longing to be accepted, this longing uh, to to someone, please, notice me. And we see this going on for all people. And how we're willing to sell our souls often in the name of that love, no matter what it looks like. Because we just simply want to be known. But ultimately, could it be that human relationships are always going to fall short? I love what it says in what we read in our first reading today. Did you catch that? Take a look at it. There's so many times we just pass it over because we've heard it so many times. And yet God defines love here in 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, These inspired words of Scripture uh, aren't a a verse, you know, or verses that are meant to just simply be read at a wedding. In fact, what's kind of intriguing about this definition of love that God gives us is the word for love. Maybe you've heard this before. is is not human love; it's actually godly love. And notice how God describes Himself in His love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. That's worth reading again, isn't it? It keeps no record of wrongs. True love. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. Always trusts. Always hopes. Always perseveres. Love Never fails. It's interesting how different that is from uh, I heard this woman she got married and she thought she was marrying Mr. Wright, and it wasn't until later she discovered that his first name was Always. Right? Not quite what she thought she was signing up for. And yet God comes to us in a relationship that He longs to have with us by way of our calling as treasured children of God, not because we have our act together, not because we are perfectly lovable and got everything together. No, he loves us knowing fully our sin, knowing our thoughts, knowing our motivations, knowing our longings and desires that so often we've sought to be answered in so many differently wrong ways. And a God who loves us in spite of all that, fully and completely. And how is that love manifested? It's found in Jesus. The one who is the ultimate definition of love. When he says love one another as I have loved you, greater love is no one than this, then he laid down his life for his friends. Jesus' love would take him the way of death. He'd love us that much on a cross. Love that opens the door for eternity. An unfailing love. A love that fits the hole in our heart that's longing for eternity. Only that relationship, only that love fulfills and interestingly, then defines all other relationships. We don't keep that love and that relationship to ourselves. Then God opens our eyes and our hearts to love others as we have first been loved. Not to, in order to get their love to fill that need in our lives, but rather that we have that need met in Jesus in order that we can love others. Our children, our friends, someone we are dating, maybe our spouse. Not maybe, we love our spouse if you've been given that blessing. As Christ has first loved us. It's a totally different way of living in a relationship when our first relationship, our first love is with him. I just think about this. You've heard me share this, some of you. is, you know, Shane and I, um, we've spent a lot of money to figure this out. And, and we are big uh, counseling junkies. I'll tell you that. I, I think it's a great thing. Counseling is not for weakness or, or for those who say, well, we've given up all other avenues. No, it's part of why when we counsel couples in our, in our church here to get married, we insist they first go and have several sessions with a professional counselor. The whole mindset is to get you understanding when, when things are broken uh, and they need fixing, it's rare we can fix them ourselves when it's as complicated as a relationship but rather to seek professional help. And we have many times. And, and we're hard-headed, uh, difficult people. And it's amazing how God has worked through counseling to help us. But one of the things we have learned through biblical counseling and seeking Christian counselors is, uh, I learned early on that uh, I have uh, had a tendency and continue this, you know, that to be insecure in our relationship, thinking that Shane needs to complete me. Because that's been my mindset. Marriage would be the answer to completing me and, and bringing happiness and security. And, and what, an, what an unrealistic expectation on a person. And, and it took a long time for me to realize that. Uh, And and the idea, this visual for me is, here we got two people, if you can see this, and and I would start in insecurity bending towards Shane. And and if, if you're a woman, you could say to yourself, wow, that's really attractive, I'm sure, to have this insecure guy bending toward you, right? And not at all. It would actually drive her apart from me and make it even worse, right? And then what would that do for me is the more she would be driven away based in my acting in insecurity is that would then push me away. And also we, we'd find ourselves living like this in, in the same house but really truly separate. And, and through biblical counseling and a lot of prayer and realization and self-inflection to realize you know, what God is calling us is, is for us to lean toward each other but actually the touch point between us when we are living in a healthy place in our relationship, is that touch point is ultimately the cross of Jesus. His love, his grace, his forgiveness becomes that support structure, if you can picture that cross between us. That we touch our lives and our relationship is formed through the lens of Jesus between us. We can never forgive more than he's already forgiven each of us. We can never love and encourage more than he's already loved and encouraged us, that we live selflessly in love, not because we're seeking it a response from our spouse, but rather because we've already received that response we long for in our relationship with Jesus. It transforms relationships. Rather than being robbed by them, we are filled by the greatest relationship in Jesus. It's what forms your identity, and it's what restores your identity today to get back to healthy relationships in him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the true source we long for. And the messages in this world and and just the confusion so often of seeking relationships that are the fullness of what we long for in so many other places, it's no wonder we often are empty It's so often uh, dissatisfied. And yet you are a God who comes near to us. and our ultimate longing, that hole in our heart, that shape that we long to be filled by is eternity. It's in the unfailing love of a Savior who has come near to us to be the fullness of what we long for. Lord, bless us in that relationship. Give us more and more of a hunger for your word and time in worship and your sacrament to be filled and to be renewed. That the relationships that we find ourselves in would be also renewed. As we find our fullness in you, and in so being able to then love as you first loved us. We pray this today in that new identity in Christ that is ours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.